All right, let's all stand together, please. Matthew, Matthew chapter number six today. I know that we've been extremely long in our last couple of services. I plan to move right along through this one this morning. And uh, that, way, that way I don't think it's just a habit that we've grown into. And uh, I, want you, I want you coming to church. <laughs> I didn't hear that. I don't know what it was. I didn't hear it. That's all I know. We're in, uh, we're in Matthew 6 today. Um, I'm really doing it more so for our, not for your sake, but for our children's workers. That's what I'm really thinking about, our nursery workers. I, I need nur- we, we need nursery workers. I don't need you to have an excuse not to go to the nursery. Um, but uh, we're going to be in Matthew 6 this morning. And, and I really uh, didn't have much time last week, and it was a very wonderful service last week that we had in in uh, honor of Brother Larry Culp and Miss Sharon, and uh, I just I just spoke uh, for a few moments on uh, verses 19 through 21 here, and uh, really I'm going to do something similar to that today, um, but this is where God just continuing to direct my heart. We're going to read from verse 19 on down to the end of the chapter, and um, I want to share with you uh, my heart today. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. It's an important verse in this day and time. Verse 25, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much more better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. 
And I want to focus on two verses primarily this morning. First, verse 33. Let's read that again. And let's read verse 33 together, can we? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And then go back with me to verse number 20 and 21. Let's read those two verses together, 20 and 21. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I have a little note there by verse number 21 that I wrote in my Bible some time ago. And it has a question mark, and it just says, where is your heart? I want to deal with that today. Father, I pray that you'll help me in preaching of your word and help us as a congregation to be listeners, to be hearers, to be also doers. May you, may you provoke us, Lord, to be surrendered completely to you and may you minister and move through our congregation this today. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. There was a pastor sitting in his office when suddenly there was not a knock at the door. It was just a quick opening of the door. And it was his son who just busted right in and the door shut behind him and he plopped down in the chair next to his father because he had a question that he wanted an answer to. Just a little boy, he said, Dad, he says, if I had a million dollars, what kind of car would you like for me to buy you? That's an important question for a little boy. And the dad was super spiritual. He said, son, I don't want you to buy me a car. If you have a million dollars, buy some land for the church. Well, that wasn't good enough for the little boy. He said, no, Dad, if I had a million dollars and I could buy you any car that you would like, what kind of car would it be? He says, listen, if you really want to buy me a car, just buy me another minivan. That's what they had. That's, that's not exciting for a little boy. And so he said, he just gave this look at his dad. He was kind of frustrated. Dad could see it. He says, all right. He says, if you, if you really want to buy me a car, he says, buy me a Bentley. He says, Shaquille O'Neal had a special ordered Bentley for himself. He says, buy me the same exact model, and that'll be great. Well, that was exciting to his son. He says, if I get a million dollars, Dad, I'm going to buy you a Bentley. And the dad turned things a little bit. And he says, son, do you know what I'm preaching on this Sunday? And the little boy says, no, dad, I have no idea. And he really gave him Matthew chapter 6. And he says, I'm, I'm going to be preaching on how that you cannot serve God and money. And the little boy, without hesitation, responded, yeah, but you can serve God with money. father took that and wrote that note down he thought that that's that's a good preaching right there 
I'm not going to be preaching on money this morning, although the principle is there. And really, there's, there's a number of things. This is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, you know. And there are so many things that you could pull out of just the text that we read today and go different directions with it. I mean, we, we are a very anxious culture. And when you read Matthew chapter 6, the verses we just read, it deals with anxiety. Maybe I'll preach on that subject soon. But I think, I think the greatest need that we have today is that our hearts are always torn in different directions. And Jesus, when he is speaking this message here, and this is just a portion of what he preached, he turned the emphasis on not laying up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt. And immediately when we read that, what we'll think of is we'll think of the nice expensive house or the really nice car. We'll think of luxurious things. But I want us to read the entire context because when Jesus is speaking here, he's never speaking about luxurious things. He's really he's speaking about day-to-day things. And even in just the day-to-day things, our mind is consumed with taking care of the responsibilities, some of them that we created, some of them that our own are we're responsible for, but some of them we've created those things. And Jesus is trying to get everyone who is listening to have their thoughts. It's not not just about things. Life is not just about things and doing. It's more than that. Time gets away from us. And our focus is on all of these things. And he goes on in the verse that I told you you should get. He says, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot be, I'm all about God and I love God and I worship God and also be consumed with the Bible word is mammon, materialistic things. You cannot cannot be divided. James said a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And Jesus is trying to bring stability here. And so he turns that by saying, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. If you want to worry about treasures, if you want to worry about doing something with your life, make sure sure you're putting things in heaven and not just in this world. I notice as I get older, this really stands out to me more and more so. As we get older, people that we care about die more frequently. You never think about that when you're younger. I was telling somebody the other day that um, 
that when I was, the day that I turned 17, we buried my uncle who, who passed away at the age of 32. I thought he was so old. He was almost twice my life at that time, my lifespan. As we get older, people that we care about, they, they pass away. And, and usually our response to that is we say terms like heaven is getting much sweeter, right? And, and, and we, we think more about heaven because people, there's more and more people that we love who are there. And that is a blessing that they are there. But heaven should be sweet because Jesus is there. And I bring that up because, because we say as we get older, heaven is growing sweeter because people of the earth that we know, love, and care about are now there. Because that's where our heart is. It's, it's around people. And th those are good things. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that that's bad. But what I am saying is this, that our life, that our hearts, they're not always where they should be. And so Jesus is saying in verse number 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your treasure, those things that are important to you, those things that matter the most, that, that is where your heart truly is. You know, Jesus later, he says in this, in this gospel, he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, right? What matters to you, that's what flows out of your, that's what flows out of your mouth, that's what you talk about. We worry, as he goes on through this chapter, we worry and worry and worry about things of life. Because oftentimes we haven't given the Lord our full heart. We're not surrendered to that. A lot of times we use the term, when, when we're talking about someone getting saved, what do we say? We ask Jesus to do what? Come into your heart. And many, many believers have enough of Jesus in their heart to be saved. But they have never really given Jesus their heart to live the Christian life. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This morning, the Lord just led me to deal with this. We can, we can deal with doctrinal things. We can deal with heavily biblical and spiritual things. We can create a lot of knowledge. We can also be zealous. And yet our heart be completely away from the Lord. So I've been praying... I've been asking the Lord, where is my heart? Have I surrendered it all to him? Lord, my ambitions, my dreams, my life, my family. Lord, you have my whole heart. 
Do you have, do you have all there is of Ricky Clay? I'm going to share with you a quick testimony. I'm going to share with you a story that all of you have wanted me to tell, retell for years. Many of you have never heard it unless you were here the very first Sunday night that I was pastor of Somerville Baptist Church. When I was voted in to become pastor, before I actually became moved over to the church, I wanted to spend some time with my family. I wanted us to go off on vacation before we got busy serving. And um, it was very hard to find a good place to go on vacation. Very hard. We were looking at going to different places. And it was, you know, because we're still coming out of COVID at that time. This is 2021. Uh, all of the outdoor places are pretty crowded. And so Christy just came up with this idea. And she gets to talking to Tina and Jimmy about the Appalachian Trail. I always thought that would be pretty cool to do, and so we decided to do it. And uh, we borrowed some things and um, took our children on this trail. And we took it, we, we received some advice from, uh, from the Lemons on where we should go, what's the best place for us to go. And uh, Christy came back and told me that uh, there's this one particular section up in uh, uh, Rome, uh, Rome Mountain, Georgia. Is it Georgia? Tennessee. Rome Mountain, Tennessee. And uh, it's right along the Tennessee, North Carolina. So the Smoky Mountains. All right. And it's right along that border there. And we learned that there was this, this place called a hosta. I never knew what a hosta was. But it's a place along the trail where people who are hiking the Appalachian Trail, they can stop there and stay there for a couple of days, take showers, which are very, very important, and, and, and have a couple of days of rest and be able to go into town and get your goods before you continue the hike. And we could park our vehicle at the Hosta, and this particular one would carry us up the mountain and to our starting point, and we would hike back to uh, where the hostel was to get her vehicle. And so I asked Chris, I said, how far is this? And she says, it's 15 miles. 15 miles, that's nothing. I mean, Tina Lemon is training to do a marathon hike. That's 26 miles in a day. Dude, we can hike 15, and, and we had three days planned for this. 15 miles in three days, you're crazy. We can do that in a day. You can't do it in a day. Not if you're 48 years old. Can't do it. We packed all of our gear. I'm the biggest. I'm the father. I'll carry the heaviest pack, which weighed about 25 pounds. 25 pounds is nothing. You carried up a mountain. 25 pounds is something. So we packed everything and... and uh, we were pretty excited. I was excited about this. And, and so our uh, shuttle bus carried us up to Carver's Gap. We reached Carver's Gap, and um, I noticed all of these cars and all these people on the trail. And I thought, well, this is interesting. I never thought this many people would be on the Appalachian Trail. And our shuttle bus driver said, don't worry. He says, you get into it a little bit, and the crowd will thin out. 
And so all these cars at the parking lot, and you get out, and you get, we get all our gear on, and everybody's looking at us. Oh, those are serious hikers. Yeah, we're serious. And, and the, the trail is broad. It's well-worn. Lots of people are hiking, you know, about a mile in, and they take pictures from the views. But you go about two miles in, the crowd thins out. You go about three miles in, there's nobody there. And the trail gets more and more narrow. You get four or five miles in, you can't hear a soul. And the trail's really getting more narrow. And you've reached the point where, no, where people, if they hike that far, they've got to turn around and go back if they're just day hikers. But we're, we're marching on. It was pretty cool. We got some beautiful views. We were up pretty high, and we went down a good bit. You're weaving around. I, I, let me just tell you, it's as hard going down on your knees as it is going up on your legs. It's hard. And I learned that. And so we're, we're hiking up, and we get, we get to the campsite. And uh, at the campsite, there's this opening. There's this green field. And it's a real pretty view. It's a beautiful view. And uh, we get there about 6 o'clock in the evening, our first night. And there's about six different groups of people who are gathered together. They've already got their tents pitched and they're cooking their meal. And uh, by 6 o'clock, I'm just going to tell you, I am dragging. I, I am, I'm at the point where I'm hurting pretty good. And as we enter that campsite... And I see these people, and they're all running around having fun. I suddenly stiffened up my back a little bit, had this bag, and, and I was walking through there like this is nothing. I am, I am totally faking it. But I don't want anybody to know how much I'm hurting. And we get there, and, and we decide right here is a good spot to pitch our tent. And I let down my bag, and we got our tent pitched. And uh, we were talking about dinner. And uh, I, I, I laid down kind of hidden because I just needed a breath. And uh, I just needed a break for a little while. And, and uh, we got everything out and we started cooking our food. And uh, we, had a good, we had a good MRE, you know. We had a wonderful, nutritious meal cooked over a little flame. And uh, we finished that up. And uh, we were putting all of our stuff together. And we kept hearing about... You're supposed to hang your food up a particular way because of bears. And uh, we'd never done that, and so we saw all these bags hung up in trees. And uh, we're trying to figure out how, how we're supposed to do that. So Christy um, decided to ask this experienced woman hiker, how do you do that? And so she was nice enough to come over there and show us. And we tied our rope to our bag, and we pulled it up in that tree, and you got to do a certain thing to all of that. I forgot how to do it now. Uh, because I don't know if I'll ever go do it again. And, and so we, we had all that up there, and then she said, but don't worry. She says, this time of year, there have been no bear sightings in this area. And that was, that was the most comforting. That's, that's like saying Jesus is coming back tomorrow. That was so comforting. You know, and, and so we went back to our uh, tent and it's now dark and we looked at the stars for a little while and they were beautiful but I was so tired I couldn't enjoy it and so I just laid down in the tent there's no bear sightings I can hear people they're sitting around the campfire you got the you got the 
the noise around you. There's people around you. There's no bear sightings. I was asleep in five minutes. It was wonderful. I mean, I slept so good. We got up early in the morning, and people are, everybody's packing their things, and, and you're trying to get out of there because now you've got this next trail. We had walked five miles that first day. Now we have a hike that's going up to Bald Mountain, which is an elevation of 2,000 feet higher than where we were. It'll kill you, I'm telling you. And it's not just you're going up 200 flights of stairs. You're going up, and then you're going down, and then you're going up a little bit more, and then you're going down, and then you're going really up. And so you're making this hike, and you can see that mountain. That's where we're going to, and that's where we want to be by this afternoon. And you're going through all this place, and then you get to this point, and you look back, and, and you're looking at the mountain and saying, that's where we started, way over there on that ridge. That's where we were. And we've come all this way, and it's pretty neat. And you're seeing things that most people don't ever see, and I like that. I like seeing things everybody doesn't see. So we're just up and down quite a bit. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I am dying. We, we take a lunch, and uh, we've got to weave around this long area. I'm thinking, there's the mountain. We'll be there in just about an hour. But I had no idea how to weave around this long path to be able to get to go up the mountain. And we stopped and talked to this one person, and our, our kids kept going. And by the time we got out of the woods to the clearing, we're trying to figure out where the kids were, and their little bit of their specks way up that mountain because they just decided they're going to run it because kids can do that. And they run it, and, and they're way up there before we even get to the bottom. And, and Christy and I are going up, and Christy had to keep stop waiting on me because I kept having to take breaks. And finally, after about an hour... Will and I think, was it Sawyer? Will and Sawyer? Where is Sawyer? Oh, he's right there. Will and Sawyer come back down. They got our packs and humped it right back up Hump Mountain. They took off and, and got up there. And I thought this is going to be much easier. Now, it wasn't any easier. It's not any easier. We still had to take breaks. So we finally got up there. It's 4.30 in the afternoon. And you're on Bald Mountain, and which was awesome because everywhere you look, 360 degrees, there was nothing but views. It was a view of the Smoky Mountains, and you see all of this distance. It was incredible. And I thought, man, everybody needs to see this. And you can see it on YouTube, but it's not the same. And it's just awesome. And it's 4.30 in the afternoon. And we still have a two-and-a-half-mile hike down the mountain to our next campsite. And so I had this bright idea, hey, why don't we camp right here? And I, I actually had cell phone service on top of that mountain. And we looked it up, and some people had camped there before, right where we were. And I said, man, this would be cool. Imagine the views that we would get. Imagine the sunset. Imagine the sunrise. Imagine the stars that we will see from this point right here. And everybody agreed. They said, yeah, sounds good. Let's do it. So we did it. We had about four hours of daylight left, and so we rested for a little while, and then we cooked all of our food, and uh, it takes a little bit for seven of us. And we, we ate, and then we sat around, and we just talked and had a good time until about, you know, we're sitting there, we're getting ready for sunset, and it's going down, and it's beautiful. And about 20 minutes before sunset, a cloud comes rolling in over the top of the mountain. Which is really neat in itself. 
It's pretty, pretty neat to be sitting there and you see a cloud coming over one ridge right towards you. And you're, you're in this cloud and all of a sudden you can, you can even, it's daytime, but the sun is, is, is so uh, faded in its light. But it messed up completely, our sunset. Oh, that stinks. I thought we were going to see a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. No sunset. And then I realized this cloud's not leaving. It went in the dark a little bit, so we weren't going to see any stars, and I'm tired. So I just said, let's just go to bed. So Christy and I and Claire are in one tent. Uh, the four boys are in another tent right beside us, and we just go to bed. Everything is quiet. We cleaned everything up. We hung our bear bag actually out over a cliff on a tree, and so we think we're good. And remember, there's no bear sightings this time of year. It's great. It's going to be wonderful. And in five minutes, I was asleep, and I was sleeping good until 1030. And I know it's 1030 because I, was woken up, I woke up to a noise, and I looked at my phone, and it was only 1030. And I, I was listening, and, and something was making its way into our campsite. And I could hear it breathing. I could hear it snorting. And it was ripping, I mean, it was ripping grass. You could hear the grass just shred. And I'm sitting there and say, how did you feel at that moment? I was terrified at that moment. I was so very quiet and still. I was laying down and I sat up. And I'm trying to think, what do I do? What, what do I do? Do I try to make noise? If I make noise, am I going to make him mad? Or is it going to scare away? I don't know what this is. And so I'm listening. I am listening to this. And it is not going away. And I sit there for quite a while. Now, I didn't tell you all this last time. But I will tell you this this time. Because I didn't tell Christy at this, at this time. It came over... We're all, Claire's here, Christy's there, this is our head, I'm sitting up, okay, over here. And it comes up to our tent, actually pushes its nose against our tent, and is <laughs> sniffing. Yeah, I'm, I'm panicking right now. So I'm sitting there as quiet as I can be, and I decide... I'm going to get my headlamp. I had one of those, you know, lights that you put your head on, click it on and see. I have two things. I have a can of bear spray because the last time we were out at Yellowstone, we refused, I, I refused to get a can of bear spray, and this time I was smart enough just in case. I bought a can of bear spray, and I had a six-inch survival knife that my dad gave me for my birthday. That's all I had. Rambo, that's right. So I'm sitting there, and so I, I sit up, and the headlamp is at the foot of my bed, and I'm reaching down there, and I'm trying to find it in the dark, and I'm trying to be as quiet as possible. And that disturbance wakes up Christy, who suddenly turns her flashlight on. Because, this is why... Because she thinks a bear is at her feet trying to get in her tent. And what I did not know is right before we went to bed, she read of a bear attack in Montana where someone had left their food in their tent 
and a grizzly had gone in the tent and actually drug a woman out. So that is what she went to bed thinking about. And now, now there's this dark figure sitting at her feet, moving around. She's panicking. She turns on her flashlight, and I look at her and say, shh, shh, turn it off. And she's, and I tell her, there's something, there's something outside our tent. And guys, that is something you never want to tell your wife. <laughs> Ever. So I, I get the headlamp, and I put it on. And she says, this, I promise you, this is what she says, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then, and then she says, well, let's pray about it. And I said, I've been praying for 30 minutes. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm, speak, I'm, I'm speaking very quietly, but I'm like, I've been praying for 30 minutes for this thing to go away. And we're listening. And it just, it's not going away, it's getting louder. And I can hear it right over there where we had cooked our food. And we were very careful. We did our very best not to, uh, not to leave anything. But I also found out later that she had wiped something up and it was in our tent, which you're not supposed to do. So she was concerned about that. And so I'm just sitting here and I'm thinking... And it just, it suddenly it gets louder and more aggressive in what it's doing. And I, I'm thinking, Lord, what do I do here? I got four boys in a tent right beside me. I've got a little girl here. And I promise you, this was my thought. And this is what I pray. Father, the people at Somerville Baptist Church just voted me in to be their pastor. I do not think that you brought me to Hump Mountain to kill me by a bear. And I'm scared. So give me some courage here. And when it made another loud noise, I said, that's it. So I grabbed my knife. I grabbed my bear spray. And as I'm unzipping the tent, my mind went back to what the uh, park rangers said out in Montana. When you see a bear, yell out these two words. Hey, bear! Now, people make fun of me about that, but that's what they teach you to do. So as I'm unzipping the tent... I yell out the words, hey, bear, as loud as I possibly can. And I hear it, man. It, it moves. It suddenly, it spooked it, and it ran off. And so I unzipped the rain, the rain fly. And as I did that, and that headlight shined out, it was the thickest fog I had ever seen. That cloud had not moved away. That cloud was right there. The wind was blowing it in my face. It was like Star Wars at light speed, you know. I mean, the fog is blowing at you, and I'm sitting there, and I can't see anything. Everywhere I look, there's a light shining, and it's bouncing back in my face. So you can picture me, bear spray in my left hand, a knife in this right hand. I'm barefoot. I'm out there with a headlamp on, and everywhere I'm looking, Hey, bear! Hey, bear! 
everywhere I'm looking. Scared out of my mind. And the whole time I'm thinking, any moment this bear is going to charge me from the darkness and I'm about to fight this bear. And it went on, it went on for what I think is 10 minutes. It probably was only two minutes. It goes on and on and on. Finally, I decide I can't. I'm sitting there and I get quiet. I'm listening. I can't hear anything. Maybe it's gone away. And I get back in the tent and my little girl says, Daddy, I got to go to the bathroom. So, we decide to go back to bed. I leave my headlamp on. And we're in the tent, and it gets quiet again, and Christy and I stay up all night long. And about 4.30 in the morning, I hear something coming back up the mountain, coming right toward our tent. Hey, bear! I saw you jump, Sedina. That's what I did. I yelled it out. And that thing, that thing quickly turned direction. And I could hear that deer. That was a deer because I could hear it bouncing down the mountain through the weeds. I could hear it. And so for hours, I just stayed up ever so often. Hey, bear! Hey, bear! If there was anybody camping anywhere near us, we had to be scaring them to death, right? I, I mean, I'm on top of this mountain. I'm on top of the world right now, screaming at a bear. And I'd never been so happy in my life to see the sun come up. I went down there to check our bear bag. It was okay. The boys got up. We, did I see the sunrise? No, because the cloud was still there. I didn't even see the sunrise. The whole point of us staying there didn't even happen. It only happened so I could tell you this story. And we get, a, we, we get out and we fix our breakfast. And uh, we pack up all of our things. And we start hiking down the mountain. And by this time, boy, I'm really tired. I'm, re I'm done with this. I'm ready to get out of here. We're hiking down the mountain. Knowing this, that was the direction that the, that the bear went to. That's the direction we got to go to. And so ever so often, hey, bear, make a lot of noise. And so we go down there. And we lived. Hey, we survived. We had made it all the way down. We saw the campers at the lovely campsite packing up their things. And we think, man, y'all missed it. Y'all was comfortable in your tents. Y'all missed what we saw. And we just made our way and we got back to our car and we left Appalachian Trail. And the kids said they never want to go back. And so, so that's that. Now, now we're in the car and we're off the trail. And we're talking about this. And then Christy asked the question, did y'all hear any noise last night? Asked the boys, did y'all hear any noise? What I didn't know at the time, Sawyer was awake most of the time. He heard it too. He just never said anything. And Christy said, did y'all ever hear? And, and I don't know who it was, but they, they, said, they said, every now and then we woke up to dad screaming, hey bear. <laughs> she said, did that not scare you? And they said, this is what they said. This is what they said. And this, this affected me in such a powerful way. They said, no. We just figured that whatever it was, Dad would take care of it.
And so they slept good all night long. They didn't know their dad was scared to death and had prayed for God to help him. I tell that whole story not just to be funny, but for this one reason. I knew at that very moment I had my children's heart. At that very moment, there was no questioning, does my dad love me? Can my dad take care of me? There was no doubting that. And I thought as I'm driving the vehicle, my mind went back to all the times where I stay awake at night worrying about something. And I'm worrying about it because I don't believe my father can take care of me. And it's not my father's fault. It's because I haven't given him my whole heart. I'm trying to fix it. Are you with me? I'm trying to fix it. I'm trying to solve it. I'm trying to come up with a solution. And sometimes we just got to say, I'm going to let my father handle this. As Jesus went on in this message and he's preaching about things, we worry about our food, we worry about our bread, we worry about our raiment. He brings up the birds of the air and he brings up the lilies. He says the Father has taken care of all of those things. He provides for all of those things and you're more important to him than those things are. And he tells us those are reasons that we are anxious and upset and disturbed and worried and concerned. We're worried about salvation. We worry about salvation because we put it upon us and not all on the Lord Jesus Christ. We worry about things in this life. And we allow so much to distract us and pull us away and, 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 and get us away from from the most important relationship that we have, and that is a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And that's because our treasure is too often in this world. And we've got more here than we have there. Amen. And when we get older, we start realizing what is here is not as important as I thought it was because now I'm starting to get more there than I have here. But wouldn't it be something if every one of you guys lived your entire life living for your heavenly father, laying up treasure in heaven? Where it produces things that cannot be taken away? Wouldn't it be better for us to put our confidence in the Lord and lay our burdens down to Him and say, Father, would you take care of this? Wouldn't it be better than to live in our sin and not knowing Jesus Christ as our Savior? Not knowing if we have an eternal home in heaven 
wouldn't it be better to say, Jesus, I'm trusting what you did on the cross of Calvary to be my Savior, and I want to accept you to be my Savior and forgive me of my sins and give me a home in heaven because of what Jesus has done, not what I'm doing. Say, was it really a bear? I personally think it was. Do I know that for sure? I don't. But how many times in life have we worried about something that we thought was a bear? And maybe it was and maybe it wasn't. Maybe what we was worried about was actually harmless. But when we put our trust in the Lord and we say, God, this is my entire, I'm, I'm giving you my heart. I want my life to be lived in a way that brings honor and glory to you and I'm trusting you. I am trusting you with each and every day. What a more peaceful life that can be. Let's bow our heads. Pianist, come, please.